Hey, it's Mark, and I'm finally back with part three of Incognito. I'm coming to you from aboard our house on wheels uh, in Mariana, Florida, is where we are right now. We've just completed uh, 18 prison events um, over the past six weeks, and man, it's it's been grueling but so fulfilling. It's a great kind of exhaustion. So if I sound a little tired, that's why we, we just finished yesterday um, our last 17 and 18 events. We did two in one prison, and uh, it was just incredible. I'll tell you more about that in a second. In this third episode, I'm going to talk about a weapon that the devil uses against us. I'm sure I've talked about it before, um, and I will talk about it again because it's one of the most effective weapons that the enemy will use to keep us from fulfilling our potential in Christ, to cause us to lose our sense of identity in Christ and make us feel unqualified to do the things that God wants us to do or has prepared for us to do. Ephesians 2.10, you've heard me say that scripture a million times, uh, that we are God's workmanship or God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he prepared in advance for us to do. So what I see happen, and has happened with me as a matter of fact over the course of my life, is that we're, we're, we're saved. We're not gonna lose our salvation. We're on our way to heaven, but our loss of identity in Christ um, we we don't feel qualified because of this weapon the enemy uses against us, um, and we don't fulfill the good works God wanted us to fulfill. So we'll talk about that uh, in this last episode of Incognito. I do apologize for taking so long to get part three out, but we've been relatively busy, and I think in the future I'll probably do these podcasts by season so that I can kind of forecast um when we're going to be really, really busy and end a season and then pick it back up when things slow down. But anyway, I want to say thank you so much for keeping us on the road. Um, 18 events in six weeks, man, we were killing it. And one of the highlights, I mean, we ministered to thousands of inmates. And those of you that pray for us, those of you that financially support us, you're just as much a part of this as we are. We couldn't do it without you. We thank you so much. Maybe you're new to the podcast. You don't know what we do. You can go to lifeontheverge.com and learn more about what we do. Um, but uh, so we we uh, were able to take uh, this duet, Boo Radley, um, that we met because their son is in prison in Florida and we ministered to him last year. He told his mother about us. Um, they're based out of Nashville, Tennessee. We went up to Nashville to see my son last year and connected with them. And they are, you know, they make full time living playing music everywhere. And uh, they were feeling called to do something more in, in an area of outreach. So they were ministering to the homeless and just doing other things. Um, I should say that when we met with them, we didn't even know if they were believers. Well, it turned out that they were solid believers and really have a heart for God. Incredible musicians and songwriters. And it was amazing. We, they went through all the volunteer process. And for the last 11 events, they've been with us. And it was so incredible to for them to see that many of the songs that they've written have come, come from this mother who has a broken heart. Um, the man is, is the stepdad of this young man. He's 44 years old. He's been in and out of prison all of his life, the son of this woman, uh, because of drugs and alcohol. And so many of the songs that they have written have come from these terrible, broken places. Um, the stepdad, Mike Turner, wonderful, wonderful man, who is legally blind, 
um, has gone through some serious trials himself. His 19-year-old son was killed in a car crash a couple of years ago, texting and driving, but some serious heartbreak. So these songs, they were singing at bar in bar rooms and clubs and restaurants, and people didn't understand the depth of meaning. Well, they would get up in the prison events and just share a little bit about the song, and they would go into the song, and I, I would watch um, with just an acoustic guitar and their voices, the guys were just fixated on them. I mean, they kept their attention. They touched their hearts. And you were part of that, by the way. You helped us put Boo Radley on the road, get out there and do this. And we're hoping to take them back out with us in August and September for another prison tour. And uh, Lord willing, they'll be out doing it on their own. And we'll have yet another team out there uh, doubling the impact of, of what we're able to do in prisons. So we're back on, uh, or we're kind of trying to get some rest for a couple of days. We've got some administrative work to do, and then we will be northbound to Virginia. Uh, from where we are, I've calculated thus far with diesel prices, it's going to cost us over $700 in gas to get back to Virginia. So we do appreciate uh, your generosity. We know everybody's kind of probably tightening their financial belts. But listen, um, God's kingdom is going to go forward no matter what. He's going to provide for what he wants done. We believe that. And want to let you know that we will be at the Verge Camp in uh Camp Pianca Tank in Toppings, Virginia, which is close to Matthews, Virginia, on June 4th, ministering uh, at a youth camp. And then we will be at um, Christ Fellowship Church in Norfolk, Virginia, uh, one of our sponsored churches on June 12th. And then we will be at Hope Community Church in Hedgesville, West Virginia, on uh, June 26th. And then we'll be at Freedom Church in Stafford, Virginia, on July 3rd. Uh, then we'll be catching our breath for a minute, and we'll be back out, Lord willing, uh, and in prison sometime in August throughout September, hopefully, maybe even into October. Um, we're, we're pray for, we'd ask you to pray about that. Pray that uh, God, we hear God where he wants us to be. We, we're, we're there. And so there's a lot of opportunity. Uh, the prison system has been extremely hospitable to us, which hasn't been the norm in the past the, the administration we kind of represent a little bit of a headache bringing all the equipment in and you know their their calendar they're all short on manpower they don't have enough guards or correctional officers so we create a challenge for them yet they've been very hospitable to us so we thank you we pray for that all right into this last episode on incognito <clears throat> um Oh, I wanted to mention my son released a new song called Blood Runs Red. I encourage you to go check out the YouTube video. Um, you know, if, if you've struggled with uh, addiction or you've struggled with, you know, just falling into the old man and trying to get back, it, it may meet you there. It's a good, uh, good song. Very catchy, too. All right. So this tour, we called it Incognito, and we based it on the scripture 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen people. Uh, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We're talking about who we really are in view of eternity versus the role or roles we play in this life. You know, we have to convince inmates, look, you are more than a felon. You're more, if, if you're a Christian, you're more than a felon. You're more than a criminal. You're more than a thief, a robber, a murderer, those things you did. You are a chosen person, chosen by God. 
you are part of his priesthood. You're a holy nation. And we, we, we have to convince these guys that, I mean, most of the men that, no, I shouldn't say most, but many of the men that come to our events, uh, they know the gospel. They have a hard time forgiving themselves. They have embarrassed themselves, and they live under this thing I'm going to talk about here in a second. Um, but I want you to understand that you are more than a salesman or a carpenter or a factory worker or a preacher or even a husband or a father. These are just roles that we play in this lifetime, or, or uh, some call it vocations. These are all vocations that we engage in in this life. Or as Martin Luther said, these are like a mask of God, that ultimately we are children of God preparing for an eternity with God apart from sin, where there'll be no sin. But currently, we wear these different masks of God. You know, we, we uh, go out and and we uh, do our job as unto the Lord. In other words, behind everything that we're doing is who we really are in Christ, a chosen person, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, called to declare uh, the praises of the one who called us out of darkness. And we do that through our vocations. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not unto men. So if, if we let the one that is in us, God who is in us, Christ who is in us, the Holy Spirit that is in us, we let him dictate how we fulfill our vocations in life, then we are, in essence, declaring the praises of him. When we do our job with integrity and honesty and we go the extra mile, when we are a loving husband, a loving father, and we work through the challenges of life, our greatest testimony to this day, when we stand in front of the men, you know, we tell the story of how these two teenagers were living together and they were messed up and they don't know that we're talking about us. I talk about me. I was living with this girl and we were using drugs and we were both uneducated, got kicked out of high school. We were messed up and how I gave my life to Christ. And she walked in while I was on my knees drunk. And I said, look, you don't know anything about God, but I heard all about him as a child. Get on your knees. He's the only one that can save us. And we prayed. And then I share, here we are about to celebrate. Me and that messed up girl are about to celebrate our 40th wedding anniversary. That's our greatest testimony. You know, it's it's been a vocation. It's kind of like that. It's a mask of God. You know, it's who, who, what, what has caused this marriage to endure. Well, the God that is in us. Sorry if I'm a little scrambled. I am a bit exhausted. But anyway, um, in in uh, Matthew 5, Jesus said that we're the salt of the earth, we're the light of the world, we're sitting on a hill. In verse 16, he said, Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. What good deeds? Well, not just church work or going on a missions trip or working at a soup kitchen for the homeless but also your vocations in life. As you do your work with biblical principles as an expression of love for God and love for others, that's what's really behind the mask is a love for God and a love for other people that he puts in us, okay? The only reason that I love these inmates and despite what they've done is because of God in me, okay? But when we do these things with integrity and honesty and we're that extra mile person, we are, in essence, bringing glory to God. And of course, we're looking for opportunities to open our mouth because people take notice. I found when uh, when I was a youth pastor, 
I once took a, a part-time job over the holidays um, selling computers at Circuit City. Rest in peace. Those that don't know what Circuit City was, it was a, it was kind of like a Best Buy back in the day, but it went under. Um, but I found out that it really didn't take much to shine. <laughs> that most of the guys I worked with were were you know they were out for themselves. They would point people to the computers that would make them the most money. Um, and I, I was like, well, I'm going to be able to look these people in the eye with, with a genuine love, um, well, as genuine as it can be with Christ in me, and point them toward the computer that is best for their situation, whether I make a lot of money off this particular model or not. We were you know, paid commission off different computers that we sold. And uh, I realized, man, you know, just just do things with honesty and integrity. It's pretty easy to shine in this dark world, isn't it? And then perhaps... People take notice and ask questions, and that's when we open our mouths as the Holy Spirit leads, and we share the gospel, and we declare the praises of the one that called us out of darkness. We take our mask off, and we let them know, hey, this is what's behind uh, what what you know the why I do what I do. So we're oh, and you know whatever job you're in, you should be seeing yourself not as a, ultimately as a salesman or a carpenter. Or what you, you you are a disciple of Jesus Christ on mission to bring glory to God, and this just happens to be the mask that you're wearing today. Um, I've talked about that before. I probably talked about when I was a police officer and really wanted out of that job until I heard a man say. You know, that uh, he was the principal of Gloucester High School, cleverly disguised, um, or he was a disciple of Jesus Christ, cleverly disguised as the principal of Gloucester High School. You heard me tell that story in one of the episodes. Uh, When I began to realize I'm a missionary to the streets of Norfolk, cleverly disguised as a police officer, and started looking for opportunities, well, what, what it meant was, first and foremost, I must do my job well, or I have no credibility, you know, to to speak to people um, about God and the gospel and that kind of thing. So I've got to do it. That's that's the prerequisite. And then I can look for opportunities to speak. And that happened over and over and over again. And uh, God ended up opening new doors, and that's what we ended. I ended up in ministry. Um, but what happens when we feel unqualified to represent God? What happens when we get out of step with the Holy Spirit, when we fall into sin, sins of commission or omission. We do things we know we shouldn't do, or we fail to do the things we know we should have done. You know, let me give you an example. Suppose during a season of life, you get consumed by your work, and you fall out of fellowship with believers. This happened to me, okay? Um, Suppose this division, uh, or this, this... overemphasis on your work and getting out of fellowship with believers causes division in your marriage. This is just one example, okay? Um, This thing snowballs to the point that the marriage ends in divorce. By the grace of God, mine didn't, but suppose yours did. Um, And this could be, you know, any time we get out of fellowship uh, with the Holy Spirit, get out of fellowship with fellow believers, get out from under the preaching of the word, and we get consumed, we start to idolize our work, we start to idolize anything, um, we open ourselves up. And uh, so, and, and then after, after a season, we start to realize, oh my gosh, look what I've done. I feel like a failure. I feel like anything but qualified to represent God. Now this is condemnation, and this is the weapon the enemy uses to paralyze us. 
it does not come from God. Romans 8, 1 clearly says, there is now therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ. Condemnation represents guilt and shame. Now, God will allow us to feel condemnation. God will allow, the Holy Spirit will convict us to draw us back. Um, but ultimately, the enemy uses it to keep us. We may make heaven, but we will not fulfill our destiny because we feel unqualified. We feel condemned. We feel guilty. We feel shameful. Um, think about the men that we minister to. These are, these are guys and gals that have committed the most heinous acts imaginable, and they have to somehow, when they, when they see it, you know, I mean, we met a man that uh, has been in prison for 41 years, talked to him, and, um, you know, had a big smile on his face. Somehow he's managed to get on top of this. He was one of the most outspoken guys at one of our events, and uh, he's been able to get on top of, hey, that's, some, that's, not, that's something I did. It's not who I am, ultimately. Uh, then I talked to a guy who was cleaning all the walls and the rails and everything at the entrance to the prison uh, yes, day before yesterday. He said, yeah, man, he got a big smile on his face. I've been in prison for 24 years, man, but I've been serving the Lord and I could get out in eight months. I'm like, wow. You know, th this guy had to somehow overcome those feelings of condemnation and condemnation and not over identify with his failure, but identify with who he is in Christ. And so let's go, let's go back to that scripture, Romans 8, 1. This was kind of a devotion that God gave me to share with them in this time out uh, because it's a popular scripture that I'm sure they hear from other volunteers that come in too um, because that's one of the things they struggle with the most is forgiving themselves and overcoming condemnation. But we all deal with it. That scripture says, um, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. That is really the defining thing, isn't it? When we get out of Christ, we do feel condemnation. What does it mean to be in Christ? You know, even in that passage when Paul says, therefore, there's no condemnation. We, if we look back and say, well, why did he say therefore? What was before that? What's the therefore? He talked about his own struggle with sin, that that you know he didn't do the things he should have done, and uh, he did things he knew he shouldn't do. He says, "What a wretched man I I am! Who will save me from this body of death?" Then he says, "Thanks be to God, you know, who delivers me with, through Christ Jesus." So this led me to think about the the prodigal son. Those that are familiar with Luke fifteen, it, Jesus talks about a lost sheep. Um, that's someone that was part of the fold and they wandered away and how the shepherd leaves the 99 to get the one. Then he talks about the lost coin. Coin, uh, to me, is like people that don't even know they're lost. A coin doesn't know it's lost and you have to go out and search for them. We try to do that with our ministry. Um, but then he goes into the lost son and he talks about the prodigal son and how, I'm sure you're familiar with the story, but you know, the son was raised, obviously, in what was probably a wealthy household. And at a young age, he asked his father for his inheritance early. And then he took it and he ran off to, in today's world, it might be like Las Vegas. And he blew all the money on prostitutes and wild living. He ended up broke. He ended up feeding the pigs and eating the same slop he was feeding the pigs. 
Finally, he came to his senses, the scripture says, and he says to himself, well, maybe I could go home and and I'll, my father will take me on as, as just a servant. And uh, so he makes his way home, probably dirty from the pig slop. Well, Jesus said the father seen him from afar off and ran to him. You know, put his arms around him. My son was lost and now he's found. Put a robe of righteousness over him to cover the sin, the dirt. Put a ring on his finger to identify him as part of my family. Put shoes on his feet to ease the pain, the sting of sin. Now, I thought to myself, now, you know, they killed the fatted calf, had a big party. Well, what if, I mean, this is us when we fall away from God and we come back, you know. But what if after a couple of years or 10 years or 20 years, the son says, you know what, I think I got my stuff together now. Hey, I'm, I'm headed back out. And he goes back out and does the same thing, falls back into the same sins. Would the father be waiting on the porch to run to him again? I think so. You know, Jesus said that we're to forgive one another 70 times 7. Um, that was symbolic of as many times as it takes. And so we're certainly not more forgiving than God. And I believe that uh, no matter how many times we stumble and we fall, we get out of the house and we get out of Christ. We're not in Christ. We get out of fellowship. We fall away. Um, that we need to turn around and go right back. And every time uh, we may have our heads hung low and feel really guilty and condemned about what we did, but the Father is sitting there waiting for us, saying, look, come on back, come on back. We're going to throw a party. You're back. And, and, and so when we get out of the house or out of fellowship, we step, we, you know, the Bible tells us in Galatians 5 to keep in step with the Spirit. We expose ourselves to condemnation. Now, we can think of this in terms of the prodigal son who went off for a season and did all these wild things, but in reality, we kind of fall in and out of Christ multiple times a day sometimes. And so, if there's going to be, for example, say that you're on the way to work, and if your mind isn't fixed and meditating on the Word, you're running late, and you, you, you just, you know, you have a bad commute and you flip some guy off or you cut him off, you lose your temper, you start cussing, you're mad, something angers you. Um, then when you finally get to work and you made it on time, you're like, oh, Lord, well, you know, you, you've gotten out of the house. You've exposed yourself to condemnation. So the enemy will use that to keep you from having a conversation. Maybe God wanted you to have that day. You're not hearing the Holy Spirit. The important thing to understand is that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. So suppose we do slip up. Suppose it's that, you know, we're at work and we fall into a gossip session at the water cooler. Well, you know that gossip is sinful. We've gotten out of Christ. And now you, you know, you you go back to your office or whatever and and you don't feel qualified to do the thing that you, God wants you to do that day. You're under condemnation. Oh, man, how can I talk to them about the Lord? I was just running my mouth up behind somebody's back. So we confess it. And we say, Lord, forgive me. Um, it, there's a difference between justification and sanctification. Those big Bible words took me a long time to understand. When we are saved, we're justified immediately. When we have believed we're born again, our spirits are made new. We don't want to sin. We want to live for God. God changes us. 
um, that's justification. That's, that's when we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He rose from the dead. We invite him into our hearts. We confess our sins. But sanctification is a process by which God kind of weans us from our, our fleshly habits. He weans it, and it's a lifetime thing. Progressively, the, the marks of a growing Christian is that those fleshly lusts, we hate them more and more. They're fading away. We are progressively becoming more like Jesus. Now, at the same time, um, I heard one preacher say, suddenly sin becomes exceedingly sinful. So, you know, when I was a, a young person, man, I would steal before I was saved. You know, I, I would do that. Even after I got saved, there were things that I would do that today if I did them, I mean, and, and, and I, I could live with it. But today if I did them, it would it, it just feel so much darker, so much heavier. So, you know, Paul said near the end of his life that he was the chief of sinners, the great missionary. So we still recognize that I struggle with sin and I'll struggle with sin until I leave this life, but I hate it. And the longer I live, the more I hate it. That's how you tell that I truly am a chosen people. I am a holy nation, a royal priesthood. And, and so we, we keep in constant fellowship with the Lord. We're constantly confessing, Lord, uh, I shouldn't have said that. God, forgive me. And we realize that, that God can use me, that I don't have to fall under the weight of this condemnation for whatever he has planned for me today, that I'm qualified not because of me, but because of Jesus in me. Man, I hope that makes sense to you. Um, but it is a big weapon that the enemy uses against us day to day is condemnation. And that doesn't come from God. Conviction, that little tugging, his yoke is easy. He yokes us with a gentle yoke, you know, and says this way, no, you're getting off course. Jesus said that if we will abide in him, that he's, he's the vine and we're the branches. And I think it's in John 15, great passage to, to read today. If we abide in him, he abides in us and we'll bear much fruit to the Father's glory. And so the key is to abide in him, to stay in the house. And if we find ourselves slipping out of the house intentionally, or maybe we just took our eye off the, off the ball and found ourselves falling into some fleshly lust, some sin is to confess it and get back on board. You know, and I say this from a preacher. I want you to think, you know, I struggle with sin just like you. And so suppose that, and yet I'm called to stand up in front of people and declare the praises from the pulpit. Well, it's certainly not because I and my flesh am qualified. And you talk about condemnation, what the enemy will do uh, to, to preachers and those that have to get up and publicly proclaim. He'll try to use that and say, who do you think you are to talk about this topic when you've struggled with it? Well, that's actually what qualifies me to talk about it, is that I've wrestled with this thing, and I still wrestle with this thing. I'm not perfect, but the one that is in me is perfect. So I just encourage you today, if you find yourself falling under condemnation, like guilt and shame, and you're feeling unqualified, that's when you are weak but he can be strong. Just confess your sin, realize who you really are, that uh, you are a chosen person, chosen by God, that you're part of his royal priesthood on this earth, that you're part of a holy nation, that you're God's special possession, that he called you out of darkness and he wants you to declare the praises, that even though you, his praises, even though you 
struggle with sin, you hate it, you despise it, and that is the proof that Christ is in you, that the seal of the Holy Spirit is in you. And uh, so, yeah, hope that helps. And uh, we'll be back with a, a new series when, I, when I'm feeling motivated. I get my brain rested a little bit, my voice rested a little bit. Thanks for listening. And again, thank you so much for supporting Life on the Verge, keeping us on the road and in prison. This message uh, is huge for men that carry an incredible, an incredible authority. When someone gets up and says, I used to be a thief, I used to be a murderer, um, I committed rape, I did these horrible things, but Christ transformed me. And now I take the very thing that the enemy intended to destroy me with, and I use it as proof that Jesus is alive, that he still causes new, old creations to become new creations. I wanted to share uh, two other scriptures with you. The one is, you know, in Philippians 1.6, Paul said that he was talking to the Philippians. He said he was confident that he that began a good work in them would be faithful to complete it. And you need to understand that, that God began a good work in you. He'll be faithful to complete it as you have fellowship with him. And the other one is uh, in Hebrews chapter 12, where it says that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. And so he's laid the foundation. He'll do the finish work as we walk with him in life. I hope that helps again. And God bless you. Thanks again for all you do to keep us on the road. Thanks for your encouraging emails. And uh, we'll be back with you soon. Bless you. Sometimes falling angels fly. I want to remind you that Life on the Verge is a completely donor-funded ministry. You can learn more about our ministry at lifeontheverge.com. We appreciate your prayers and gifts of support to keep us on the road and in prison.